The Global IP Matrix Magazine Issue 12 Front Cover and Text Climate Change from a Patent Perspective Part 1 Enforcement of Trademark Rights in Sri Lanka Licensing of Trademarks in the United Arab Emirates Interpretation of the New Guidelines for Trademark Examination NFTs, focus on these legal UFOs that blow the progressive mind, a subversive topic or an opportunity? Limitations of compulsory licensing in a pandemic, the TRIPS waiver proposal and the urgent need to expand access to COVID-19 vaccines to developing countries. New Industrial Property Law Written by Laura Caleda, Managing Partner at Dumont, Mexico New segment sponsored by Dumont, Women's IP World Bite Size Front cover strip advertisement Patent seekers The global patent searchers International Patent and Design Search Company. www.patentseekers.com. Mail at patentseekers.com. Plus 44-016-33-816-601. Page 2. Inside Front Cover Advertisement. Gorodiski, IPN TMT Law. Gorodiski.com. Page 3. Dear Readers. Welcome to the 12th issue of the Global IP Matrix magazine. As we continue to work our way through this global pandemic, we hope that you and your families are in good health going into the new year with love and positivity in your hearts. We hope you are all starting to see the light at the end of this very long tunnel we have been going through together. One thing is for sure the Global IP community has continued to grow innovatively, engaging with their peers in new and exciting ways. However, you still can't beat a good old-fashioned face-to-face, and we hope that this will once again be standard practice for us all very soon. We have continued working tirelessly in the background in keeping our international audience up to date with news from the world of intellectual property. This issue promises to deliver engaging content from some of the industry's most respected professionals. Natalie Dreyfus from Dreyfus Law Firm in Paris kicks this edition off with NFTs and tax issues, followed by Manisha Singh and newcomer Sanat Batla from Lexorbis in India on the importance of intellectual property for social media influencers and content creators. In addition, with the success of the Women's IP World Annual Magazine growing, we have decided to introduce a new segment titled Women's IP World Bite Size that Dumont in Mexico has sponsored throughout 2022. This new segment shines the spotlight on women working in the industry by sharing their wisdom and expert knowledge as thought leaders. Ms. Laura Caleda, the managing partner at Dumont, starts this new addition to our publication with a look into new industrial property law in a very well and detailed article over four pages. As always, we hope that you enjoy reading our magazine as much as we have enjoyed putting it together. Elvin Hassan, Editor and Head of International Liaisons the Global IP Matrix Magazine Editorial Board. Gabriella Bowden, partner at eProwint, www.eprowint.com, Costa Rica. Marek Berry Managing Partner and Patent Attorney at Berry & Berry, www.bnb-ip.eu, Poland. Mr. Afame Funa Francis Newark Eddy, Principal Counsel of Stillwaters Law Firm, www.stillwaterslaw.com, Nigeria. Ms. Brenda Matanga, Managing Attorney and Head of Practice at B. Matanga IP Attorneys for Africa, www.matanga.com, Zimbabwe. Ms. Laura Costillo, Partner at Inventiva Espacio Legal, www.inventivalegal.com, Dominican Republic. 
Ms. Ruta Oman immediate past president of ECTO and associate partner of Metida www.metida.lt, Latvia. Page 4. Contents. Page 7. NFTs. NFTs, focus on these legal UFOs that blow the progressive mind. A subversive topic or an opportunity? Natalie Dreyfus, trademark attorney, founder, and partner, Dreyfus, Paris, France. Page 11. Trademarks. The importance of intellectual property for social media influencers and content creators. Manisha Singh, partner, and Sanat Batla, associate at Lex Orbis, India. Page 15. Interpretation of the new guidelines for trademark examination. Ray Jow, LL.M. Senior partner, head of the international trademark team, Unit Halen Attorneys at Law, China. Page 17. Enforcement of trademark rights in Sri Lanka. Anami Wainagaskra, partner, and Juanita Pereira, associate at Julius and Creasy, Sri Lanka. Page 19. Blanding is the new branding, legal implications. Laura Castillo Sapulveda, partner at Inventiva, Espathio Legal, Dominican Republic. Page 21. New, Women's IP World Bite Size Segment, sponsored by Dumont, Mexico. New Industrial Property Law. Laura Caleda, Managing Partner at Dumont, Mexico. Page 27. Patents. Twisting the Law or the Arm? Vladimir Byrayulin, Partner at Gorodesky and Partners, Russia. Page 31. Limitations of Compulsory Licensing in a Pandemic, the TRIPS Waiver Proposal and the Urgent Need to Expand Access to COVID-19 Vaccines to Developing Countries 1. Deborah. F. Tolu Wallace, Jr. Associate at Stillwater's Law Firm, Nigeria. Page 38. Climate Change from a Patent Perspective Part 1. Claire Gibson, a Senior Patent Analyst at Patent Seekers, UK. Page 43. Empowering the Future of IP in Africa, Asia, and the Middle East. Licensing of Trademarks in the United Arab Emirates. Saumad Hassan Manto, Managing Partner at Ordiri Vox, Dubai. United Arab Emirates. Page 49. Conference Corner. AP Resolutions 2021. Ms. Anne-Marie Verjua, Reporter General Team, AIPPI. The Global IP Matrix magazine is published by Northern's Media PR and Marketing Limited. Carlos Northern. CEO and founder Northern's Media PR and Marketing Limited. Publisher of the Global IP Matrix magazine and Women's IP World. Carlos at northernspmarketing.com. Elvin Hassan. Editor for the Global IP Matrix and Women's IP World. Head of International Liaisons for Women's IP World. Elvin at womensipworld.com. Sandra Spencer. Sales Director, Asia and the Middle East. Northern's IP Media PR and Marketing Limited. Publishers of the Global IP Matrix magazine. And Women's IP World. Sandra at northernsprmarketing.com. Craig Barber. Head of Design for the Global IP Matrix and Women's IP World Info at northernsprmarketing.com. Ashling Lenahan. Marketing and Creative Design. Northerns IP Media PR and Marketing Limited. Publisher of the Global IP Matrix Magazine. And the Women's IP World Annual. Ashling at northernsprmarketing.com. All images in the articles are provided by authors and upsplash.com.
pixbay.com cleanpng.com and pexels.com. Page 5. Contributors. Natalie Dreyfus, trademark attorney, founder, and partner, Dreyfus, Paris, France. Manisha Singh, partner at Lex Orbis, India. Sanat Butler, associate at Lex Orbis, India. Ray Jow, LL.M. Senior partner, head of the international trademark team, Unitalian Attorneys at Law, China. Anami Wainagaskra, partner at Julius and Creasy, Sri Lanka. Juanita Pereira, associate at Julius and Creasy, Sri Lanka. Laura Castillo Sapulveda, partner at Inventiva, Espathio Legal, Dominican Republic. Laura Caleda, managing partner at Dumont, Mexico. Vladimir Byrayulin, partner at Gorodesky and Partners, Russia. Deborah F. Tolly Wallace, junior associate at Stillwater's law firm, Nigeria. Claire Gibson, a senior patent analyst at Patent Seekers, UK. Samad Hassan Manto, managing partner at Ordiri Vox, Dubai, United Arab Emirates. Ms. Anne-Marie Verjua, reporter general team, AIPPI. Page 6. Advertisements. Advert 1. Mark Inventor. Your intellectual property agent in Eastern Europe and Asia. European patent attorneys. Domain name and register. C. Service. Patents, EP validations, PCT national applications. Trademarks, models, copyright, domain names. Searches, portfolio searched, company name searches, licensing, assignments. Oppositions, litigations, customs actions, anti-counterfeiting, renewals and annuities. Mark Inventor Company, Limited Intellectual Property Services. Glinska Ulitsa 14 1000 Ljubljana SI Slovenia. Telephone, plus 386 14266 503. Fax, plus 386 12510 508. Email, office at markinventor.c. Website, www.markinventor.com. Advert 2. Advertisement 2. Chandrakant M. Joshi. Leading Indian IPR law firm. Established in 1968. Solitaire, 11, 7th floor, OPP, Infinity Mall, Link Road, Mallard, West, Mumbai, 1 064 India. Telephone plus 91 22, 28, 88, 68 58. Fax plus 91 22, 28, 88, 68 59. Email. Patents at cjjoshi.com. Website. www.cmjoshi.com. Practice areas. Patents and trademark search, patent and trademark watch, registration, post registration and infringement act for patents. Trademarks. Design and Copyright Translation of Patent Specification Franchise and Joint Venture Agreements Cyberlaw Mergers and Acquisitions Contact Person Mr. Harold Chandrakant Joshi Advert 3 United Trademark and Patent Services International IP Attorneys Your Reliable Partners for Intellectual Property Matters in Pakistan, Southeast Asia, Arabian Gulf, Middle East and Africa since 1949 Untitled Trademark and Patent Services, International IP Attorneys. Trademarks, Patents, Design, Copyright, Domain Name Registration, Litigation and Enforcement Services. Pakistan Office. 85, 
the Mall Road, Lahore 54000, Pakistan, adjacent Radio Kronos, Hang 10 Mall Plaza. Telephone, plus 92-423-362-855-8890, plus 92-423-362-855-8184. Email, unitedtrademark at unitedtm.com. Website, www.utmps.com and www.unitedip.com. Page 7. Article. NFTs, focus on these legal UFOs that blow the progressive mind. A subversive topic or an opportunity? Written by Natalie Dreyfus, trademark attorney, founder, and partner, Dreyfus, Paris, France. As a key figure and principal theorist of surrealism, Andre Breton stated that, an artwork has only value to the extent that it shudders with the reflexes of the future. From a visionary perspective, isn't this the essence of the staggering impact of NFTs? The acceleration of the legal, economic, and fiscal apprehension of NFTs is due to the rise of the metaverse, which is vigorously established on the market and will help anchor their attractiveness and economic weight. Because NFTs become the reflexes of the present, they are already the reflexes of the future, or at least, they are turned towards the future as inevitable objects of today's legal reflections. NFTs are currently not subject to any specific regulation, but in a supposedly eminent way, they will transform the pragmatic vision and the structuring of intellectual property rights. A current problem is legally defining those immaterial goods that embody NFTs. NFTs are already reaching huge sale figures worldwide. Nevertheless, this does not make it less interesting to question their true value and quality in the light of the technical feats claimed. Last March, the work every days, the first 5,000 days, created by the American artist People, was sold for $69.3 million. Whether it was a theatrical stunt or an alluring reality, an Australian created a torrent file called the NFT Bay. According to him, NFT represented nothing but instructions on how to access or download an image. As a result of his experimentation, he explained that the images that the NFT can understand are not necessarily registered on the blockchain but are hosted on sites that are doomed to disappear one day. If anybody were ever to believe these observations, this would lead not only to a re-examination of the exponential investments associated with them but also to a refocus on the debate on their substantial particularity, which is their non-fungible character. NFTs derive their intriguing and attractive value from the use of the blockchain to which it is backed, which ensures the function of reliability and authenticity. What differentiates NFTs from traditional digital assets is that they are not interchangeable. Thus, they perform the evidentiary function of a single title of ownership. 1. The end of the legal and fiscal no-man's land for NFTs? What legal qualifications and tax treatment apply to NFTs? The answer to the first question seems to answer the other. However, they both remain unsolved. In France, NFTs cannot be sold at a public auction. Why? Only furniture and tangible goods are subject to such sales, otherwise, a special derogatory text is required to cover a specific class of intangible property. The world is seizing NFTs, while France seems to be restrained due to a particularly protective and supervised regulation of public auctions and still has an uncertain tax treatment. But this last matter is of international importance. The U.S. Internal Revenue Service, IRS, the federal government agency responsible for collecting taxes, has not formally pronounced itself on the specific tax treatment of NFTs. In the United States, 
The probable assumption is that NFTs are expressly subject to the same tax treatment as cryptocurrencies. In South Korea, the Minister of Strategy and Finance announced that the Cryptocurrency Tax Act would enter into force in 2022, and it appears that NFTs are excluded from the legislation. In fact, NFTs are not qualified as virtual assets. Therefore, they are not subject to the tax regime applying to cryptocurrency. Under South Korean tax law, these two subjects are to be distinguished. Consequently, the income of more than 2.5 million South Korean won, $2,100, coming from NFTs will not be taxed at 20%. Cryptocurrency investors seem to fear tax optimization. But would this fear be futile? In France, the approach is very similar, although the topic was the subject of continuous debates. The law of the 22nd of May 2019 on the growth and transformation of companies, known as Pact Law, has made it possible to define digital assets as follows, any digital representation of a value which is not issued or guaranteed by a central bank or by a public authority, which is not necessarily attached to a legal tender currency and which does not have the legal status of a currency but is accepted by natural or legal persons as a means of exchange and may be transferred, stored or exchanged electronically. This last question regarding the tax treatment underlies the reflection on a timely qualification of NFTs. Hence, the answer keeps pending, and the opinions keep diverging. Nonetheless, in the absence of an explicitly defined solution, there is certainly one way of thinking that should be preferred over another. Should an NFT be defined as a digital asset or an underlying asset? Choose your side. But this slippery slope also grows the idea to regulate NFTs concretely and end endless debates. Since January 2019, the French legislation provides that the category of digital assets must be taken into account in the calculation of income tax. But the specific characteristics of NFTs do not quite match the definition of digital assets, particularly due to their non-fungible nature since the pact law approaches digital assets from the angle of a medium of exchange. 2. NFTs, digital assets, underlying assets, or a specific regulation? A French deputy, who identified all the subtleties of this issue, has recently submitted Amendment No. ICF 879 to the 2022 Finance Bill, which aims to clarify the NFT tax system. A possible way of thinking would be to calculate the taxation of an NFT's capital gain on the basis of its underlying asset, instead of applying the tax regime that is applicable to digital assets, known in France as the single flat rate tax, PFU. The flat tax is a relatively recent form of taxation in France. Introduced by the 2018 Finance Act, it applies, in principle, a single rate to capital income. However, this single rate of 30% is the result of the addition of two separate rates. Social security deductions at the rate of 17.2%. Income tax at the rate of 12.8%. Why apply the French tax regime applicable to underlying assets to NFTs rather than the regime that is applicable to digital assets? It seems problematic to tax NFTs in the same way as fungible digital assets since it is difficult to value NFTs. It has a disproportionate impact on the calculations of capital gains on the disposal of fungible digital assets. Nonetheless, regarding securing the transmission of digital assets, it is appropriate to classify NFTs in the category of digital assets when the French notaries propose to proceed by mystical will. Applying the underlying asset regime to NFTs implies that the latent nature of NFTs, such as a work of art, needs to be taken into consideration.
these intangible assets, which gradually become full-fledged elements of the various cultural and artistic industries, maintain a tenuous, even correlative link with NFTs. Let's consider that an NFT is not less than a support of the work of art associated with it. It could appropriately follow the legal regime of the work of art or any other intangible good it supports. The owner of an NFT could then benefit from an advantageous tax system under a transfer contract, a flat rate tax proportional to the transfer price, determined at 6.5% of the sale price. This flat rate taxation applies, except when the seller does not opt for the capital gain scheme where this option is provided for. In the latter case, the surplus value is taxed at the rate of 19%, to which the rate of 17.2% must be added for social contributions, which makes a total rate of 36.2%. Bearing these considerations in mind, it should be stressed that when a person buys an NFT, he does not become the purchaser of the work itself, that is integrated on the blockchain, but of the medium of this work which fulfills its probative function of digital private property, being unique and unfalsifiable. Consequently, the rights that the purchaser obtains simultaneously with the purchase relate only to the NFT, distinct from the work with which it is associated. This last remark recalls the principle of independence between a work and its material medium as it is known in French copyright and has been the subject of numerous disputes. But this conception does not hinder the implementation of a stratagem for reappropriation of rights, particularly when we consider the approach of Emily Ratajkowski. Last April, she announced the marketing of an NFT, called Buying Myself Back, a model for redistribution, to reclaim its image on one of its large format Instagram publications. It was sold for $81,000 by the auction company Christie's. NFTs thus appear as new marketing channels. 3. The NFT, a new emblem of the transformation of intellectual property? Intellectual property, which in itself embodies a change to the traditional conception of private property seems to be the subject of a new decisive change as they appear with immaterial goods of a new kind in the age of exponential technologies. Given the complex structure of NFTs, it may be worth considering different perspectives and restructuring the copyright system from a new angle. Copyright, in the long run, appears to be designed primarily in the form of marketable assets. The idea could be to pre-finance an artistic project by buying a share of the royalties backed by an NFT and becoming an alternative channel in the art world. This can be observed in the recent lawsuit filed by Studio Miramax against the film director Quentin Tarantino. This lawsuit concerned an NFT marketing project established by the latter and reproduced unpublished excerpts of the film Pulp Fiction. The applicant, who is none other than the producer of the film and the transferee of all the economic rights in the audiovisual work, considered that this marketing practice violated his rights and constituted an act of copyright infringement. Initiated by the London-based curator Ben Moore, Art Wars, an exhibition of life-size Star Wars Stormtrooper helmets that have been custom-painted by artists, raises a similar problem. Ben Moore has decided to create a non-fungible token collection based on the Stormtroopers' helmets made for this exhibition, but without the various creators' consent. According to the Financial Times, approximately a dozen artists are considering taking legal action against the project. The fear of the drifts of unregulated use of NFTs, particularly of its instrumentalization for the purpose of reappropriating rights, is expressed in this particular conflict. Page 10. Advertisement. IPZN. Intellectual property made easy. Legal cases and trademarks portfolio management. Collaborative and intuitive solution, 
IPZEN gives you the ability to work anywhere and anytime in total security, on your entire cases and trademarks portfolio. Designed by IP Lawyer for IP professionals, law firms and corporations, IPZEN has been developed to meet the requirements and challenges of managing entire IP rights portfolios. Hosted on a highly secured private cloud with a dedicated virtual machine, IPZEN is accessible at any time and anywhere in the world in French and English. Trademarks Management Precise search of your files on the basis of numerous criteria. Individual monitoring of your assets linked to any folder referenced in the cloud. Follow-up of the registration procedure color-coded. Automatic calculation of the dates of renewal and declaration of use. Step-by-step -step entry of your assets. Addition of documents within the brand card. Constantly updated of legislations. For a free demonstration or further information email, contact at ipzen.com or telephone, plus double three, oh, one eight four, one seven four, five three two. Page 11. Article. The Importance of Intellectual Property for Social Media Influencers and Content Creators. Written by Manisha Singh, partner, and Sanat Battler, associate at Lex Orbis, India. Introduction. Social media is one of the most powerful and effective ways of marketing and advertising. However, as social media is gaining more and more publicity, promoters, YouTubers, and artists are at risk of direct legal concerns about intellectual property rights, IPRs. Social media promoters and content creators work hard to build a reputation for expertise in specific topics, products, and industries. In fact, the influencer marketing industry is expected to have a cost of $15 billion by 2022 and currently accounts for about 15% of total revenue spent on global advertising. While creating content and products, promoters also create different types of smart and secure products. Why is intellectual property registration important for social media influencers? The content on social media websites is consumed daily on a variety of platforms. With this, they need to understand that their unique content is easily accessible to millions of users and can be easily copied. It is essential for them to understand and protect their intellectual property. When creating content, it is also important to understand that before using the creative works of others in videos, photos, or text in social media and social media platforms, they must ensure they have adequate authorization and consent to use such content to avoid infringing the rights of others. The following are a few reasons to register intellectual property. 1. To establish ownership of intellectual property rights, which helps enforce rights in case of any dispute. 2. Registered IP becomes more liable and legit, if the content is protected, consumers tend to find it more reliable and are more likely to revisit it. 3. It is easier to remove plagiarized content if your IP is registered, if someone is misusing or recreating original content, it is easier for it to be taken down if such content is registered than unregistered IP, which requires strong evidence in support. 4. Avoiding replications altogether, if registered, people would not want to replicate the content in the first place as the registration will discourage any copying, ensuring compliance with IP. 1. Copyright. Copyright is a form of intellectual property that protects original creative works, such as photographs, videos, text, art, audio recordings, cinematograph films, and other original creations. It grants copyright owners the right to distribute, copy, display, or perform their original works. 
content creators must verify that they have the appropriate permissions, or are eligible for copyright, as a fair use, before using others' creative works on videos, photos, or text for social media posts. In many cases, the online use of creative works is not protected, and promoters need to know if they need a license and, if required, take the necessary steps to contact the copyright holder before sharing their material so as to avoid violating and or infringing the intellectual property rights of the copyright owner. Several social media platforms have come up with their own tools to detect intellectual property rights violations, for example, YouTube has used the Content ID program to assist copyright owners in identifying, managing, and protecting their content. Copyright holders, usually limited to those with large content catalogs, can register themselves on YouTube. Whenever content is uploaded to YouTube, the Content ID system scans new content and checks for similar copyrighted content already existing on the Content ID system. 2. Trademarks Trademarks are a type of intellectual property that is used to identify, classify, and indicate the source of one's goods and services from others. Creators should obtain the written consent of the owner of a trademark, brand name or product displayed on a social media post, blog, video, or photo. Posting content that contains someone else's trademark, product name, or logo may infringe on their intellectual property rights. When a content creator directly references a product, it is referred to as branded content, and the creator must obtain special permission to use that product's name in their content. Trademark laws protect brand owners from two types of infringement, namely the possibility of confusion and redress. Creators should avoid using IP in a way that may confuse customers with the source of the goods or services or negatively affect a company's brand. 3. Domain names. Domain names are easy to use and easy to remember. A domain name can simply be called the online identity of a business. Each website has a domain name that acts as an address used to access the website. Domain names are usually business names followed by com, org, gov, net, in, etc. Generally, domain names may also be registered as trademarks if they meet all the requirements for trademark registration. Once registered, the domain name owner will have all the legal rights and authority, which are usually acquired by the owners of registered trademarks. Therefore, social media influencers and content creators should choose a domain name after checking the appropriate domain and ensuring that their chosen name is not already registered or violates the intellectual property rights of others. They should consider picking a domain name that may also be eligible for trademark protection. The future of protecting digital content on social media. There has been a recent rise in the discussion about the impact of NFTs on the protection of the intellectual property of influencers and content creators. NFT or non-fungible tokens are blockchain authentication certificates, which apply to tangible assets produced online such as photos, music, videos, and images, as well as other digital content. Content creators are still protected by copyright law whether NFT is their original work or if they prefer to combine copyrighted work with another creator. Conclusion In the landmark judgment Marico Limited vs. Abhijit Bansali, the Bombay High Court noticed two main issues. The court held that the defendant, a content creator on YouTube.com, could not, under the garb of educating or bringing the true facts to the public, provide misleading information to disparage the plaintiff's product. Any campaign to educate the members of the public by placing before them the true and correct facts may be welcomed. However, such an excuse should not be used to put out misleading information, which disparages, 
discredits, or belittles someone else's product or influences the consumers not to buy the said product. Additionally, the unauthorized use of the plaintiff's registered trademarks by the defendant in a manner, which is detrimental to its distinctive character or reputation, cannot be in accordance with the honest practices in industrial or commercial matters. Therefore, as discussed earlier in this article and after going through the above case law, we can conclude that the issue of intellectual property on social media is complex but can best be addressed by taking appropriate steps towards protection. To protect IP, creators must 1. Understand that they have a sense of responsibility towards their audience when reviewing a product. Reviews should be factual and based on facts. Defamation of a product based on falsehoods should be avoided. 2. Find online trademark registrations, logos, slogans, tags, series names, and unique hashtags to protect them. 3. Get copyright subscriptions for original videos, audio recordings, photos, text, and artwork. 4. Avoid the use of brand names, logos, trademarks, and copyrighted material without permission and obtain the necessary permits and licenses in advance. 5. Exercise caution and diligence before registering and using a domain name to avoid infringing on another's rights. Page 14. Advertisement. Advert. Lex. Orbis Intellectual Property Attorneys. Your most trusted IP partner. New Delhi, Mumbai, Bengaluru. www.lexorbis.com. Mail at lexorbis.com. Tell plus 91. Double one two three seven one six five six five. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Page fifteen. Article. Interpretation of the new guidelines for trademark examination. Written by Ray Zhao, LL.M. Senior partner, head of the international trademark team, attorney at law, and trademark attorney at Unitalian Attorneys at Law, China. In recent years, Chinese trademark law and other relevant laws and regulations have been revised and improved. In recent years, the practical experience and reform results of cracking down on malicious application and hoarding registration of trademarks and optimizing the examination and trial process need to be summarized and consolidated. Procedures such as formal examination, classification of goods and services and trademark retrieval elements, Madrid International Registration of Trademarks need to be further sorted out and clarified. Substantive provisions of trademark examination and trial need to be further enriched and improved. In the face of higher requirements and tasks of a new era of intellectual property, the CNIPO enacts the new guidelines for trademark examination, hereinafter referred to as the guidelines, have been formulated by integrating various business guidelines, instructions and internal procedures for trademarks. The new guidelines, which will come into effect on January 1, 2022, are the regulations regulating the procedures of different trademark matters, an important basis for the examination and trial of trademarks, and specific guidelines for the public to handle trademark registration applications or other trademark affairs. It is of great significance to strengthen the protection of intellectual property rights, optimize the process of trademark registration examination, and improve the quality and efficiency of trademark examination and adjudication. There are a few important changes in the guideline which all brand owners and practitioners shall know. 1. Bad faith applications filed without intent to use shall be rejected. Clarify the definition of malicious trademark application not for the purpose of use. According to Article 4 of the Trademark Law, 
Malicious trademark applications not for the purpose of use refer to the behaviors of applicants who submit a large number of trademark registration applications not based on the needs of production and business activities, lack of real intention of use, improper occupation of trademark resources, and disruption of trademark registration order. Factors to be taken into consideration to determine whether it constitutes a malicious trademark application, not for the purpose of use, include the applicant's basic information and the overall situation of the trademark application submitted by the applicant. According to the practice, it summarizes and lists nine typical cases of malicious trademark applications not for the purpose of use and makes specific explanations and explanations in the form of embedded cases. At the same time, it acknowledges that the applicant applies for trademarks identical with or similar to its registered trademark for defense purposes and applies for trademarks in advance in appropriate amounts for realistic and expected future business. 2. Terms that shall not be used as a trademark. Article 10 of the trademark law stipulates that trademarks shall not be registered and used as trademarks. The application standard of this article in the examination is one of the emphasis of this revision. For instance, having the same or similar name with that of leaders of other countries, regions or political international organizations known to the public will not be allowed. The new guideline perfects the exception of the prohibition provisions for the application of signs containing place names. A new exception is added, that is, it is clear that the marks made up of the characters of place names and other characters, whose overall composition is different from that of place names, are not easy for consumers to associate with place names, and are not easy for consumers to misidentify the place of origin. 3. Enhance the trademark protection. In the determination of the similarity between figurative trademarks, it was judged to be a similar trademark if trademarks completely include graphic trademarks that others have a certain degree of popularity or distinctiveness before. Instead, trademarks include graphic trademarks that others have previously had higher visibility or greater prominence. It is determined to be a similar trademark, and the original word completely is removed. The scope of protection is expanded and the strength of protection is strengthened. Adjust the criteria for prior use and remove the restriction of only using it in the Chinese market. Remove the restriction on trademark use in China. In view of the development of practice, the guidelines remove the restriction on the use of trademarks in China in recognition of prior use and some influence. Instead, the influence of the use must meet the requirements that China is influenced by use outside China. The relationship between the business address of the trademark applicant and the prior user is added to recognize a special relationship. 4. Non-use cancellation action. To adapt to the development of e-commerce and internet trading, the internet and e-commerce platform transaction documents and transaction records are included in the trademark use judgment. Using a registered trademark on similar goods or services that are not approved by the CNEPA shall be not considered as using the mark. However, According to the need of practice, the use of non-standard goods or services still constitute the use of approved goods or services, OEM, which means only manufacturing in China and only exporting to other countries, shall be considered as valid use in China. 5. Office Action The application of the office action is confirmed. The guideline clearly points out that the office action is part of the trademark examiner discretion in substantial examination procedures. From the date of office action to the date the trademark applicant or agent provides supplementary evidence or supplementary documents, it will not be included in the trademark term requirements. 
It also lists 18 situations in which the examiner can request the applicant to make an explanation or amendment by issuing the examination opinion at his discretion. Same page. Advert. Unitalian Attorneys at Law, a leading IP law firm in China. Offices in 20 major commercial cities in China and also in the US, Japan and Germany. Handling over 400 IP litigations each year. 236 patent attorneys, 66 trademark attorneys and 71 attorneys at law. Ranking first in the top 10 patent agencies in Beijing with the most patent applications. Ranking top on the list of agencies for many years in trademark applications. Address, Beijing, 7th floor, SciTech Place, number 22, Jiangaminawai Avenue, Beijing, 100,004, China. Telephone, plus 86-10-5920-888. Fax plus 86-10-5920-8558. Email mail at unitalan.com. Website, www.unitalan.com. Page 17. Article. Enforcement of Trademark Rights in Sri Lanka. Written by Anami Wainagaskra, partner, and Juanita Pereira, associate at Julius and Creasy, Sri Lanka. The Intellectual Property Act No. 36 of 2003, IP Act, operates as an all-encompassing body of law, regulating all forms of intellectual property, including trademarks. This article aims to briefly provide an overview of the trademark enforcement regime in Sri Lanka, with a particular emphasis on the relatively less common regulatory modes of trademark enforcement. Traditionally, the enforcement of trademarks is primarily thought of in relation to civil litigation. In terms of Section 170 of the IP Act, a trademark owner may institute action if any person has threatened to infringe, has infringed, or is performing an act that makes infringement of his trademark likely. Jurisdiction to institute such civil action is vested exclusively with the High Court of the Western Province, Holden in Colombo, exercising civil jurisdiction, more commonly known as the Commercial High Court. If the act of infringement is ongoing, or if there is a risk of irreparable loss and damage being caused or where there is a demonstrable risk of evidence being destroyed, the trademark owner could make an application to court ex parte for interim relief in the form of an enjoining order. An enjoining order has the effect of granting interim relief as sought in the plaint and can be used to restrain the infringing party from continuing its acts of infringement. It is granted for an initial period of 14 days, extendable at the court's discretion depending on circumstances. Therefore, provided sufficient evidence is adduced, trademark owners are prima facie granted instantaneous relief. An interim injunction is an interim relief that will be effective until the hearing and determination of the final judgment of the case, and such relief is granted upon hearing both parties. Therefore, in practice, it has the effect of temporarily granting the relief sought by the trademark owner whilst the case is fully heard. Further, if at any stage the infringing party violates an enjoining order or an interim injunction, this would amount to contempt, a punishable offense of its own volition. In addition to the aforesaid interim reliefs, trademark owners also have the right to seek other remedies such as damages and recovery of profits. The court may require the plaintiff to provide security or other equivalent assurance sufficient to protect the defendant and to prevent abuse of any interim measures. Alternatively, trademark owners may also institute criminal action. There is no provision obstructing a trademark owner from instituting both civil and criminal action simultaneously. 
a trademark owner may institute criminal action under the provisions of sections 184 and 186 of the IP Act. Criminal actions can be instituted by making a complaint to the Commercial Crimes Division of the Police. The police prosecute or instituted criminal proceedings via private plaint, upon which the police would conduct a raid on the infringing party and seize the infringing products. The jurisdiction for criminal actions under the said sections is vested with the magistrate's court in the locality where the infringement occurs. Persons found guilty of an offence under the above sections may be liable to be fined up to Sri Lanka rupees 500,000 and or for a six-month term of imprisonment. The foregoing provides a brief overview of the two most common modes of trademark enforcement in Sri Lanka. However, in addition to the aforesaid methods, a trademark owner may also enforce its rights under the provisions of the Customs Ordinance No. 17 of 1869, as amended. The relevant provisions are contained in Chapter 41 of the IP Act, which amends the Customs Ordinance by prohibiting the importation and exportation of counterfeit goods. Accordingly, a trademark owner could make an application to the Director General of Customs to show to the satisfaction of the Director General that there is a prima facie infringement of the trademark owner's rights by the importation of the infringing products. The Director General is then empowered under Section 125B of the Customs Ordinance to suspend the release of such goods into free circulation. It is possible for a trademark owner to register its trademarks with the Sri Lanka Customs to facilitate the detection of counterfeit goods by the customs authorities. For this purpose, it would be necessary to provide particulars such as details of the trademark owner, i.e. if it is a company, details of the company registration etc., certificates of trademark registration issued by the National Intellectual Property Office, a list of brands being imported into the country by the trademark and other requisite details. On detection of infringing products by the customs authorities, the trademark owner is required to take necessary action under Section 170 of the IP Act. It is also possible to make a complaint to the Consumers Affairs Authority, CAA, which is the primary state body mandated to protect consumer interests and ensure fair market competition in Sri Lanka. Section 30 of the CAA Act No. 9 of 2003, as amended provides that traders are prohibited from engaging in any type of conduct that is likely to mislead or deceive any other trader or consumer. Further, Section 34 of the CAA Act empowers it to conduct investigations into any anti-competitive practices. Anti-competitive practices are defined under Section 35 to include any course of conduct that has the effect of distorting competition in a market. This broad definition thus embraces trademark infringement also as an anti-competitive practice. Section 36 details the procedure to be followed in relation to an investigation, which includes providing all parties involved an equal opportunity of being heard and presenting evidence. Once a complaint is lodged with the CAA, the CAA will conduct an investigation, and the parties are called for a discussion and are encouraged to settle the dispute. In conclusion, it can be said that the foregoing methods of trademark enforcement provide trademark owners with excellent platforms to enforce their intellectual property rights. Same page. Advertisement. Deep and far attorneys at law, since 1992. IP right prosecution and litigation corporate legal and consulting IP value added services. Focus, patents, trademarks, copyrights, trade secrets, unfair competition licensing, counseling, litigation, transaction. Territories, Taiwan, Maine and China, Hong Kong, and Macau fields, mechanics, chemistry, pharmacy, biology, electronics, optics, 
Telecommunications, and Computer Sciences. Address, 13th Floor, 27, Sec. 3, Chung San En Road, Taipei, Taiwan. Telephone, 886-258-566-88. Fax, 886-259-899-00259-789-89. Email, email at dpenfire.com.tw. Website, www.dpenfire.com.tw. Page 19. Article. Blanding is the New Branding, Legal Implications. Written by Laura Castillo Sepulveda, partner at Inventiva, Espacio Legal, Dominican Republic. It is known that the function of brands is to inform consumers about the origin, quality type of products they are going to purchase. Furthermore, it is an elementary principle that the more unique and different the brand is, the more distinctiveness it will have. Consequently, there are greater chances of success both at the level of legal protection and marketing purposes. That said, it is interesting to evaluate what big brands have been doing with their brands, eliminating all creative elements, leaving only the words without any stylization and color. This is commonly known as blanding. By definition, blanding describes the trend of moving away from decorated typefaces, complex color schemes, and intricate shapes in favor of a simplified, sleek, yet bold look. Authors such as Thierry Brunfort define this trend as the action of blend in brands, which causes that brands do not stand out. Some of the reasons companies have decided to get into this trend are the following. First, it is simpler to fit into smaller screens of smartphones. Back in time, companies only needed to have a physical presence, signs in their stores and on their packaging. Now, it is necessary that the logo can be easily placed on screens as small as those of an Apple Watch and on screens as large as those of the cinema. A simple design is versatile and makes the multi-presence easy. In addition, the simpler the design, the fewer curves, lines, colors and consequently, the easier it is to achieve consistency in different platforms. However, it is clear that the creativity element is completely eliminated. Other design experts consider that simplicity is the easiest way to adapt to platforms but not necessarily the best way and criticize that companies have become less creative in order to be present in omni-channel platforms. Balenciaga, Diane von Furstenberg, the Nobel Prize, Yves Saint Laurent, Celine, Burberry, Google, Pinterest, Airbnb, and Spotify, are some of the brands that have made the use of simple fonts and the elimination of designs a real trend. Undoubtedly, although this technique aims to get a bolder and modern look, it has implications for trademark law that are important to analyze. In the first place, it is important to denote that it can be registered as a trademark any sign, or any combination of signs, capable of distinguishing the products and services of a company from those of other companies. Therefore, companies are able to receive exclusivity of their brands and all their elements, i.e., words, designs, colors. It is not a controverted point that trademarks are a fundamental asset of every company, hence, it is extremely important that they acquire exclusivity over their brand names and logos. Unquestionably, both the word and the design, are important when discussing distinctiveness. However, with blanding, companies put aside their combined marks, giving rise to legal complications. It is possible to experience a risk of confusion and association. This is because the design or figurative elements were very useful for consumers to identify and differentiate one trademark from another. Consequently, 
If all brands decide to blend and eliminate their designs, they will all look similar and might cause confusion and or association. The same risk applies with respect to the trademark office of the countries where registration is attempted. It turns out that as all brands would have a similar and simple font, the examiner may consider it not distinctive and therefore impossible to grant exclusivity. Thus, brands that have chosen and that choose to join the blending trend must be prepared to share visual features with other competing brands. It is important to emphasize that this also has a positive side. That is that the word or denominative element becomes stronger since it is the only element that the consumer will remember and identify. Nonetheless, the fact that the brands are visually similar and have fewer design elements can make their counterfeits go unnoticed. For example, the Ray-Ban trademark is currently a stylized brand with a unique font different from other trademarks. This makes it easy to identify when there are counterfeits or imitations. However, if all brands look the same, the identification is more difficult and, therefore, is expected an incrementation of intellectual property crimes. Another important possibility is the risk of cancellation due to the non-use of the previous design. After the rebranding, the old design runs the risk of being cancelled for non-use in the market. In this sense, the TRIPS agreement establishes that members can make registration dependent on use and cancel a trademark for reasons of non-use after three years of uninterrupted non-use and less valid reasons based on the existence of obstacles to such use by the brand owner. In this regard, in the Dominican Republic, the National Office of Industrial Property, ONAPI, has been constant in its position that when comparing the trademarks during the examination process, the word element is the one that has the most significant weight because it is the one that the consumer reads, pronounces and remember. In this case, the lack of use would produce a partial cancellation on the elements of the design so that they are released, and thus other people will be able to register and use them. Certainly, whoever intends to use said design, must observe the principles that govern copyright law. Finally, this trend is being used by big and small companies. From 2017 to the present, we have seen how even consumers have changed their perception, and it seems to them that brands look more clean and modern when they use minimalist and simple designs. Accordingly, it appears that more and more brands will join this trend. On the one hand, blending undermines creativity by removing all distinctive design elements. But on the other hand, it is advantageous because since businesses will not rely on design to strengthen their distinctive aptitude, they will be forced more so to create extra unique and unusual names. Page 21. New segment, sponsored by Dumont, in Mexico. Women's IP World Bite Size. We continue and advance to highlight women's essential work and contributions in IP, IP law and innovation globally. Dumont is a Mexican IP law firm founded in 1940. They are committed to assisting their clients in the selection, clearance, protection, enforcement, and exploitation of their IP rights and business interests. Dumont are experts on inventions, patents, utility models, and industrial designs, and distinctive signs. Trademarks, trade names, commercial signs and appellation of origin and geographical indications. Dumont's practice extends to highly specialized topics such as litigation, copyright, information technology, corporate law and anti-counterfeiting, appraisals of both trademarks and patents in compliance with the financial reporting standards, NIF, by a team of expert lawyers, litigants, and advisors in the various disciplines covered by their area. Dumont's associates stay on top of recent 
developments in the market in the legal area to provide value-added services. While taking their client's commercial situation into account, they provide high-quality services that are tailor-made to fit the needs of their clients around the world. www.dumon.mx Page 22 Article New Industrial Property Law Written by Laura Caleda, Managing Partner at Dumon, Mexico Many articles have been written on the recent amendments of the New Mexican IP law. It has been a year now, and we could try to make an assessment. It is true that the most notable recent IP development in Mexico is the new federal law for the protection of industrial property, which came into force just over a year ago and repealed the previous one, which was, by then, 25 years old. It was necessary to reorganize and update the system for many reasons, including a smooth implementation of the USMCA trade agreement, which replaced NAFTA. With changes in practically every one of the fields it regulates, including associated administrative procedures followed before the Mexican Institute of Industrial Property, IMPI, to incorporate partial cancellation of trademarks, granting IMPI with fiscal authority to impose and now collect fines, and the calculation and recovery of damages at an administrative stage, the new law allows Mexico to grant more certainty to rights holders. Most of it is a reorganization of the previous law which had gone through so many amendment processes that it had lost a certain order and continuity in its text and was patched over. In terms of trademarks, the new law introduced the following changes. Term of trademarks, under the new law, the term of registration is 10 years counted from the granting date, rather than the application date. Mexico examination. A single first office action system has been adopted, which means that any office actions will include any possible formal issues, rejections on absolute or relative grounds, as well as communicating any opposition that might have been filed. Oppositions, under the new law, the term for filing a response to the opposition will be two months, considering it will be communicated to the applicant through the single office action mentioned before. However, Unlike under the previous rules, under the new ones, the application will be deemed abandoned if a response is not filed to the opposition in the office action. The term for filing closing arguments in the opposition is now five days, rather than three. Bad faith registration has been redefined in the new law as having applied for the registration of a trademark with the aim of obtaining an unlawful benefit or advantage to the detriment of its legitimate owner, which with no doubt clarifies the matter and will allow for stronger action against squatters. Disclaimers are being clarified with an express article including, for combined and device trademarks, the use of dotted lines to indicate such disclaimed portions of the graphic elements or parts of these. Declaration of notorious and or famous trademarks, some requirements for obtaining them have been deleted, allowing not having to disclose information related to the value of the trademarks in books or by valuation, amounts invested in advertising and sales volumes. Declarations of use, although reintroduced to the law in the 2018 amendments, the new law has clarified some points regarding applicability and terms, but I will comment further below. License agreements no longer have to be recorded with the MPTO for use by the licensee to inure to the benefit of the licensor towards proving the use of a trademark during an unused cancellation action. Last but not least, consents for similar and now also for identical trademarks are accepted by MP as long as the goods-slash-services covered by the cited and the proposed trademarks are not the same. On the contentious side. Partial cancellation of trademarks, 
which along with damages might be the most awaited changes to Mexican law and enforcement of IP rights, are some of the changes that have been introduced. In cancellation on the grounds of a false state of first use declared in the application, the burden of proof is again on the registrant. Cancellation of a trademark against which the same petitioning party has filed an opposition will be deemed res judicata when filed on the same grounds, for which now not all cards should be played during an opposition, or it might be best to wait for a grant to file for cancellation and follow a more thorough case as allowed by cancellations when compared to oppositions. In terms of infringement, the new law provides for a conciliatory proceeding during an infringement action. But, most notably on enforcement topics, the new law finally provides for the possibility of rights holders to claim damages before a competent court or, yes, directly with MP, for which they will now not only impose fines on infringers but also have the authority to calculate damages and issue a binding decision with executive power. Certainly, both on the prosecution and the contentious side, all these changes have had and will continue to impact practitioners and rights holders, who are facing new rules on many fronts. This is, in general, a positive impact. These, like all changes, involve processes for all parts. The MPTO has been adapting and reorganizing in many ways to face the requirements under the new law. Rights holders will undoubtedly benefit from the various aspects and a greater degree of protection to their IP. Practitioners have had to analyze all these changes and are yet to see what the criteria of both the MPTO and our courts will be for many of the several changes. I believe that, without a doubt, the most notable development in Mexico has been the new law and its previous amendment, mainly on two points, declarations of use, as reintroduced in 2018 and clarified in 2020, and damages and the possibility of the MPTO quantifying and executing these. On the first point, this is a topic that has with no doubt caused controversies and differences in opinion and criteria since their re-adoption in 2018. However, the saturation of the registry which is plagued with trademarks that have been registered and are not in use, and in many cases never have been, is clearly in need of a system that will allow expunging some of the records which, along with stricter classification rules will allow for the peaceful coexistence of non-conflicting trademarks in the near future. Under the 2018 amendments to the then Law of Industrial Property, it is now necessary to file declarations of use in a system similar to that of the U.S. in terms of timing, within three months following the third anniversary of a trademark, from grant, and along with each renewal of the same, every ten years. However, it is important to mention that no evidence of use needs to be filed, nor is a signed declaration or affidavit from the rights holder required to proceed but simply the confirmation of the goods-slash-services on which the trademark is in use, from those covered by the registration. Protection of the trademark will only be preserved regarding the goods-slash-services included in the declaration, automatically limiting the scope of the same to these and losing protection over the rest, for which refiling regarding the goods-slash-services left out could be advisable. Without a doubt, one of the most relevant changes is the possibility of claiming damages caused to the rights holder by reason of the infringement. This is not new, as some years ago, the previous law was amended to consider this possibility but was later resolved by case law that this was only possible once a final judgment, confirmed by all stages of appeal, existed. So, under the new law, a rights holder may opt for any of two ways to claim damages. 1. Directly with civil courts, or 2. Before MP through ancillary proceedings once a decision has been issued in the infringement case.
This will certainly allow for the right solder to achieve compensation sooner for loss suffered by infringement, compared to the previous scenario in which it could take several years to have a final confirmed decision, to then go to a civil court to initiate a whole new lengthy battle to try to obtain a judgment on damages. To conclude, I think that everyone's expectations for the years to come will be court decisions regarding the several amendments and their implementation to have criteria fixed regarding these, which will give rights holders greater certainty on the scope of their rights and their enforcement. However, well before this, practitioners are still hoping the regulations to the new law are issued shortly. This will give us clear rules for many of the added and amended items contained in the law and were not contemplated under regulations to the previous law of industrial property. We have been waiting for the regulations for a long time, and there is no specific date for their publication, but we expect that by June would be an educated guest to have them. We will see the developments next year. Page 25. Advert. Duman. Your ideas. Our business. Your trusted IP advisor in Mexico. Your ideas protected. Dumont.mx. Page 25. Advert. Women's IP World Annual 2023. Join the industry's number one annual publication celebrating the works and achievements of women working in IP, IP law and innovation. Profiles, accolades, experience, ranking, articles, achievements, knowledge share. Available in print, digital and in audio format. Reserve your position in the Women's IP World Annual 2023 before the 1st of April to qualify for a 30% discount on our profile and editorial packages. Discount code, WIPW23-30%. Contact plus 44-0203-813-0457 or email, info at womensipworld.com. The Women's IP World Annual is sponsored by Lex Orbis in India, and Patent Seekers in the United Kingdom www.womensipworld.com Page 27. Article. Twisting the Law or the Arm. Written by Vladimir Byrayulin, partner at Gorodesky and Partners, Russia. Compulsory licensing is a term far too familiar to all. The concept of compulsory license has been embedded in international treaties, such as the Paris Convention and TRIPS. The Paris Convention in its Article 5-2 sets forth that each country of the Union shall have the right to take legislative measures providing for the grant of compulsory licenses to prevent the abuses which might result from the exercise of the exclusive rights conferred by the patent, for example, failure to work. It follows from the above provision that limitations imposed on the patent owners aim to protect public interests. Trips echoes that rule in its Article 30, exceptions to rights conferred. Members may provide limited exceptions to the exclusive rights conferred by a patent, provided that such exceptions do not unreasonably conflict with the normal exploitation of the patent and do not unreasonably prejudice the legitimate interests of the patent owner, taking account of the legitimate interests of third parties. Article 31 of TRIPS details the conditions for conferring exception of rights, including the use of patents by the government or third parties authorized by the government. Doha Declaration, in its Article 5, focuses on pharmaceuticals. It states that each member has the right to grant compulsory licenses and the freedom to determine the grounds upon which such licenses are granted. Relevant provisions are included in the laws of many countries. For example, in 28 U.S. Code Section 1498, Patent and Copyright Cases, it is provided that any invention may be used in the interests of the state. In Russia, 
The concept of compulsory licensing has been in existence since 1992, when the first patent law was enacted. The law was amended several times until it became part of Part 4 of the Civil Code. The code includes two sections associated with using a patent without the authorization of the patent owner. Article 1360 CC sets forth that the government has the right to allow the use of an invention without the patent owner's permission in the interests of defense and security. The patent owner shall be notified of this decision, and adequate compensation shall be paid to him. This opportunity has never been used so far. Article 1362 CC sets forth that if the invention is not used or is used insufficiently during four years which leads to insufficient offer of the goods on the market, any person wishing and capable of using such an invention may apply to the patent owner with a license request and if he refuses that person may apply to the court with a demand for a compulsory license with an adequate remuneration in accordance with the situation on the market. There is yet another set of circumstances in the above Article 1362-2 in which a compulsory license may be issued. Suppose the patent owner cannot use his own patented invention without infringing the rights of another patent owner. In that case, he may ask the owner of the basic patent to grant him a license, and in case of refusal, he may apply to court and seek a compulsory license. The difference from the above-mentioned version of the compulsory license is that the owner of the dependent patent should prove in court that his invention is an important technical achievement and has substantial economic advantages over the basic patent. The importance of technical achievement and substantial economic advantages are categories with no clear-cut definition. Practice shows that it is not always easy to prove the importance of achievement and economic advantages. Dash. Later on, in 2019, the COVID pandemic burst out. Russia was affected by the virus on a large scale among other countries. The troublesome situation with the virus pushed the Russian legislature to ponder over ways to deal with the situation. It took some time. After experiencing the onset of several waves of COVID, the Russian Duma examined, and the president signed amendments to Article 1360 and added a new Article 1360.1 in June 2021. The new wording of Article 1360, the government has the right to allow the use of an invention without authorization of the patent owner in the situation of extreme emergency associated with the necessity to ensure defense and security of the state, protection of life and health of people. The patent owner shall be notified of this decision, and adequate compensation shall be paid to him. As can be seen, the words protection of life and health of people have been added to the provision. The wording of the new Article 1360.1. The government has the right in cases and on conditions of international agreements of the Russian Federation to decide to use an invention, i.e. produce a medicine on the territory of the Russian Federation for the purpose of its export. The patent owner shall be notified of this decision, and adequate compensation shall be paid to him. The said decision shall include information on the scope of the production of the medicine. The scope of the production shall be determined by the requirements of the foreign state to whose territory the medicine will be exported. The package of the medicine shall contain a special designation. The procedure of sending the notification mentioned in the preceding paragraph, the basis and procedure of deciding on the use of the invention on the territory of the Russian Federation for the purpose of its export, the procedure of determining the duration of the decision. The rules for determining the amount of compensation and procedures of payment thereof shall be worked out by the government of the Russian Federation in compliance with the international commitments of the Russian Federation. 
As can be seen, the government may now allow the government to issue permission to produce medicines without the authorization of the patent owner. Both kinds of licenses are compulsory. In the first case, a compulsory license is obtained through a court judgment. In another case, a compulsory license is handed down by the government and is, in fact, an administrative compulsory license. The question arises, how often is this newly received right is used? In fact, attempts to obtain compulsory licenses were made previously. For example back in 2017, Nativa, a Russian pharmaceutical company and Mr. Mihailov won he sued Celgene Corporation, USA demanding it to issue a compulsory license for Celgene's patent number 2,595,250 because Mihailov's patent was dependent on Celgene's patent, see above article 1362-2, case 40-71,471-2017. Earlier, Celgene applied to the Ministry of Health with a demand to cancel the registration of lenalidomide native. Mihailov's patent number 2,616,976. Celgene argued that their patent protected active substance lenalidomide, therefore, any medicine containing lenalidomide as an active substance will use their patented invention. Celgene failed, which opened the way for Nativa to sue Celgene for a compulsory license. The key issue was whether Mihailov's patent presented important technical achievements and whether it had essential economic advantages. In order to clarify this issue, technical expertise was ordered by the court. The experts reported that indeed both requirements, important technical achievement and economic advantages, were there. Hence, the court obligated Celgene to issue a simple, non-exclusive license to Nativa. Celgene appealed the judgment and asked the court to conduct another technical expertise because the conclusions of the first expertise raised questions. The court upheld the judgment of the first instance court. Celgene appealed the judgment at the IP court, however, during the preparation of the appeal, the parties decided to conclude an amicable agreement approved by the IP court. In yet another case, case no A4166505171481, Nativa, Mr. Mihailov, obtained a Russian patent number 2,567,535 for Sanitinib native. Coincidentally, Shugan LLC and Pharmacia and Upjohn Company, plaintiffs, earlier had obtained a Eurasian patent number 005996, valid in Russia among other several countries, for an active ingredient Sanitinib. The plaintiffs sued Nativa, demanding that Nativa stop the production and marketing of their medicine. In its turn, Nativa filed a counterclaim asking the court to recognize its patent dependent on the plaintiffs. The court refused the plaintiff's claims and satisfied Nativa's claim, i.e. recognized Nativa's patent number 2,567,535 dependent. The plaintiffs appealed the judgment at the appeal court but failed, May 7, 2019. After that, they appealed the judgment at the IP court. The plaintiffs argued that Nativa did not use its own patent but used the plaintiff's patent, therefore, Nativa's patent cannot be dependent. There is no question about granting a compulsory license because it may only be granted in the case of a dependent patent. Besides, the plaintiffs argued that Nativa's invention is not an important technical achievement and does not possess important economic advantages. Also, Nativa's payment proposal of 10% of the sale price does not comply with common practice in this field and cannot guarantee any profit for the plaintiffs. Contradictory expert reports were prepared for the court, however. After a lengthy discussion, 
the IP court confirmed the judgment of the lower courts, i.e. dependency of Nativa's patent was confirmed. In the meantime, Shugan filed a complaint to the Chamber of Patent Disputes seeking to cancel Nativa's patent No. 2,567,535. The Chamber examined the case and invalidated the patent in full on June 25, 2021. Nativa appealed the decision of the Chamber of Patent Disputes at the IP Court, but the IP Court upheld the decision of the Chamber of Patent Disputes on December 2, 2021. It may be expected now that the demand for a compulsory license based on the dependency of patent No. 2,567,535 will be questioned by Shugan LLC. Since there is no such patent as No. 2,567,535, there can be no license based on the non-existing patent. Now we come back to the newly amended Article 1360 within the framework of global COVID. The relevant law came into force in May 2021. As was mentioned, the words protection of life and health of people were included in the text of the article. Several months earlier, when the pandemic was in full swing in Russia, the government issued Ordinance No. 3718P on December 31, 2020. The ordinance gave permission to the Russian company Pharmacintes to use inventions protected by Eurasian patents nose. EAO 25252, EAO 25311, EAO 29712, EAO 20659, EAO 32239, owned by Gilead Sciences Inc., US, EAO 28742-owned by Gilead Pharmacy The permission was issued for the term of one year. The government gave instructions to 1. The Ministry of Health to notify the patent owners immediately following the first sale of Remdesivir. 2. The Ministry of Industry and Trade to submit information to the government regarding payment of remuneration to the patent owners and 3. The Ministry of Economic Development to notify the Council of Trips about the ordinance. Both patent owners applied to the Supreme Court with an administrative court case. The plaintiff stated that the ordinance contradicts a number of provisions of the Civil Code Part 4, Article 15 of the Constitution, the Eurasian Patent Convention and the Paris Convention. The plaintiffs argued that the ordinance had not been issued in the interests outlined in Article 1360 of the Civil Code as in effect at the time of issuance of the ordinance. There was no emergency at that time, the ordinance was not issued for the purpose of ensuring the security of the state. Hence the ordinance violates the rights and lawful interests of the patent owners and deprives them of lost profit. The plaintiffs are deprived of the right to control the quality of the product and choose the licensees. The government was represented by the Federal Anti-Monopoly Service, which expectably defended the government's position. The court stated that the government takes measures towards the realization of the rights of people for the protection of health and ensures the defense and security of the state. The arguments of the plaintiffs are based on an erroneous interpretation of provisions of the law. The court cited the amended text of Article 1360 that includes the words protection of life and health of people. It explained that extension of the wording of the article to the life and health of people does not essentially change its former wording and meaning. Limitation of the exclusive right in Article 1360 is not a case of free unrestricted use of the invention without payment of compensation. Unlike compulsory licensing providing for the conclusion of an obligatory contract, the use of patent rights in national security interests is not a contractual right. Permission to use an invention in the interests of national security is given without the approval of the patent owner.
who should only be notified in the short term. The court referred to Article 31 of TRIPS, see above, allowing such use of an invention. It also referred to the President's Decree Strategy of National Security of December 31, 2015, according to which national security includes defense of the state and other kinds of security, including the security of an individual person. Suffice it to say that in June 2021 only, there were more than 20,000 deaths in Russia directly associated with COVID. Earlier, in January 2020, the WHO Director General declared that the COVID outbreak constituted a public health emergency of international concern. Therefore, there is a reason behind this exclusive decision of the government. Indeed, the current situation is extraordinary, and it should not raise much concern among pharmaceutical patent owners. The administrative compulsory license has been allowed in the situation of emergency as a one-off and for one year only. As for regular compulsory licenses, these are also extremely rare. Page 31. Article. Limitations of compulsory licensing in a pandemic, the TRIPS waiver proposal and the urgent need to expand access to COVID-19 vaccines to developing countries 1. Written by Ms. Deborah. F. Tolu Wallace, Jr. Associate at Stillwater's law firm, Nigeria. Introduction. The global impact of the 2019 coronavirus has been well documented. In December 2019, Wuhan, China, was brought down by the outbreak of the novel virus. As of January 30, 2020, the World Health Organization, WHO, declared the outbreak a public health emergency of international concern, and on March 11, 2202, it was finally declared as a pandemic. As of April 16, 2020, World Health Organization, WHO, has reported about 2.2 million confirmed cases and about 145 deaths globally, with rising numbers including more unreported cases defying efforts to flatten the curve. Nigeria, a key regional actor in the West Africa continent with over 200 million people, confirmed its first case of the virus in Lagos State on February 27, 2020. The pandemic has exacted enormous pressure on public health systems and policies, raising far-reaching, economic, social, and technological questions and uncertainties on global welfare and prospects for a solution. Compulsory licensing. A patent owner has the exclusive right to the use of its invention, be it a process or a product. Still, despite the exclusive nature of the rights bestowed on a patent owner, there are several limitations to the exclusive rights. Compulsory licensing is, however, one of such limitations. A compulsory license, CL, is a permit granted by the government to allow alternative production or importation of a generic version of a patented medical product without the prior consent of the patent holder. It is one of the flexibilities in the field of patent protection included in the WTO's, World Trade Organization, Agreement on Intellectual Property, the TRIPS, Trade-Related Aspects of Intellectual Property Rights, Agreement.3. The concept of compulsory licensing has been recognized by various international treaties and agreements as well as our local legislation. Article 5.2 of the Paris Convention for the Protection of Industrial Property 4 empowers each contracting state party to the convention with the right to grant compulsory licenses to prevent abuses which might result from the exercise of exclusive rights conferred by the patent. Also, Article 31 of the TRIPS Agreement authorizes all member states to the agreement to use CL without the authorization of the right holder in appropriate circumstances.
Paragraph 5b of the Doha Declaration 5 Similarly, it states that each member has the right to grant compulsory licenses and the freedom to determine the grounds upon which such licenses are granted. Locally, Section 15 and 20 of Part 1 to the first schedule of the Nigerian Patent and Designs Act enjoins the Minister of Industry, Trade, and Investment to grant compulsory licenses for reasons which include the following. 1. For the maintenance of supplies and services essential to the life of the community. 2. For securing a sufficiency of supplies and services essential to the well-being of the community. 3. Generally, for ensuring that the whole resources of the community are available for use, and are used, in a manner best calculated to serve the interest of the community. However, in emergency cases like the COVID-19 pandemic, Paragraph 4 of the Doha Declaration expressly permits WTO members to take measures to protect the public health of its citizens. Similarly, Paragraph 16 of the Patents and Designs Act in Nigeria also stipulates when a compulsory license can be issued for public health reasons. The Doha Declaration on the TRIPS Agreement and Public Health confirms that countries have the right to use CL and other flexibilities to safeguard health 6 and are free to determine the grounds of compulsory licenses 7. Compulsory licenses can be granted on several grounds, including but not limited to the following colon 8. 1. To remedy anti-competitive practices or failure to work the patent or insufficient working of the patent such that domestic needs are not met. 2. The patented medicine is unaffordable or unavailable, making it inaccessible to patients. 3. For public non-commercial use. 4. The patent holder refuses to license the patent to other qualified producers, including domestic producers. 5. When there is a risk of stockouts. 6. When public health is at stake, including, but not limited to, public health emergencies or other circumstances of extreme urgency and epidemics, compulsory licenses as a legal measure first drew attention in the context of access to medicines when governments wanted to overcome patent barriers to allow the importation or production of generic antiretroviral treatments for HIV-AIDS. On June 8, 2005, the Eritrean Minister of Health relied on the provisions of the TRIPS Agreement and Doha Declaration to issue a CL for the importation of patented antiretroviral drugs in Eritrea. With compulsory licensing now becoming an important tool for access to COVID-19 medicinal products and technologies, several countries have amended their laws to facilitate easier and quicker processes for compulsory licenses or government-use licenses in the pandemic. It is, however, Pertinent to note that the concept of compulsory licensing faces different restrictions limitations as the issuance of compulsory licenses in the event of a health emergency such as the COVID-19 pandemic severely limits the possibility of technical coordination between companies aiming at increasing the supply of vaccines. Limitations of compulsory licensing in a pandemic Countries need to adopt a temporary waiver of IP to address IP barriers more effectively in this pandemic. The current rules of compulsory licensing under the TRIPS agreement were not designed to address some key challenges arising in a global pandemic. Some provisions also contain limiting factors in the context of a pandemic or an emergency in general. The following outline points are some of the limitations of CL. 1. Use of compulsory licenses may invite unwarranted pressure. Developing countries have recently been discouraged from using compulsory licensing to access medicines due to pressures from trading partners and pharmaceutical corporations. In the COVID-19 pandemic, there have been incessant pressures from pharmaceutical corporations over the use of compulsory licensing. 
Recently, one of the U.S. biotech company Gilead Sciences, GILD, filed a lawsuit 9 against the Russian government for issuing a compulsory license to a domestic drug company Farms Infex, to manufacture and market Gilead's first anti-COVID-19 drug, Remdesivir, also known as Vclori-10. The lawsuit, which was however rejected by the Russian Supreme Court, sparked a lot of reactions. 11 According to Alexei Brevnev Puerto Rico Director of Gilead Sciences Russia, he stated that the decision of the Russian government in allowing a domestic drug company to manufacture its original anti-COVID-19 drug is counterproductive since the price set by the company for the drug already allows to reduce the cost of combating coronavirus in any country in the world. In a more positive recent development, the USTR explicitly acknowledged the right of all countries to use compulsory license for the first time in a decade in its 2021 Special 301 Report. 12 This is a welcome step. However, to remove political and trade pressures completely, this needs to lead to an actual end to pressuring countries for issuing compulsory licenses to support access to generic medicines, vaccines and other medical products and not just be an exception because of COVID-19. 2. Compulsory licenses do not provide an effective remedy for emerging and evolving patent barriers. Compulsory licensing only provides a remedy after patent barriers on individual medical products have been established, blocking production and supply. The IP landscape continues to change as product development pipelines for drugs and other products are constantly evolving during the pandemic, making it inefficient only to take action after a barrier has been established. The evolving IP landscape also suggests that new patents may remain unpublished due to the interval between application and publication when preparation to ramp up production and supply is already required. To remove legal risk expeditiously, it is imperative to allow a quicker option in addition to compulsory licenses. 3. Compulsory licenses cannot easily override non-patent IP barriers. Overriding patents alone is often enough to allow alternative producers to expeditiously manufacture small molecule medicines. However, to expeditiously make and gain regulatory approval for complex medical products like vaccines and monoclonal antibodies in a pandemic, alternative producers also need immediate access to other IP-protected assets. In the TRIPS agreement, compulsory licensing is only provided for under Section 5 with regards to patents. To overcome non-patent IP barriers, using compulsory licensing alone is insufficient. A rapid removal of other IP barriers requires additional legal tools, such as the proposed temporary TRIPS waiver. 4. Compulsory licenses promote delay in the supply of products. Innovative pharmaceutical firms are often reluctant to introduce products in countries with CL laws hence, making exportation logistically and procedurally impracticable. The special compulsory license under Article 31 buys of TRIPS agreement allowing production, export, and importation to countries with insufficient manufacturing capacity does not provide a practical option to facilitate exportation. To remedy the challenges facing countries with no or insufficient manufacturing capacity to effectively use a compulsory license under Article 31F. Paragraph 6 of the Doha Declaration mandated the TRIPS Council to work out an expeditious solution to ease the use of compulsory licenses for exportation and importation. However, the resulting amendment, Article 31 buys of the TRIPS Agreement, fails to provide an expeditious solution to the challenges identified. 13 The provision requires a notification procedure by importing and exporting countries and requires for each compulsory license issued that only a specified quantity is allowed to be produced and the specified products need to be colored and packaged differently before shipment.
In a pandemic, while pressures to mobilize all capacities with record speed to continue to mount, those requirements under Article 31 buys of the TRIPS agreement are simply impractical. In a nutshell, Article 31 buys of the TRIPS agreement does not appropriately respond to the need for compulsory licenses for export to address health care needs, including in an unprecedented emergency pandemic situation. The TRIPS waiver proposal, the urgent need to expand access for COVID-19 vaccines to developing countries. The adoption of the Agreement on Trade-Related Aspects of Intellectual Property Rights, TRIPS, in 1994 by member states of the WTO was an event that gave rise to a new global intellectual property protection, IPP, regime with significant effects on access to medicines. Some of these effects include high prices of medicinal products, prevention of local manufacture of generic products through reverse engineering of patented products, importation of cheaper medicinal products from off-patent countries or under compulsory licensing agreements and delayed market entry for generic products. TRIPS, which was entered into force in 1995, incorporated intellectual property rights, IPR, obligation into the multilateral rules-based trading system, thereby ensuring that WTO members adhere to minimum rules and disciplines on patents, copyrights, trademarks, and other rights. However, the potential impact of the TRIPS agreement on access to medicine in developing and least developed countries has sparked debates with some commentators arguing that IPP makes it possible for pharmaceutical companies to recoup their research and development, R&D, costs and hence act as an incentive for investment in biopharmaceutical research 14 and innovation.15. In October 2020, India and South Africa proposed a waiver.16 that would temporarily waive intellectual property rights protections for technologies needed to prevent, contain, or treat COVID-19, including vaccines and vaccine-related technologies. More than 100 low-income countries support this proposal. Still, it is receiving much opposition from many high-income countries, including some European Union, EU, member states, the UK, Japan, Canada, and Australia. On May 5, 2021, the Biden administration announced support for negotiating this waiver, intensifying debate in the U.S. and the EU but so far, the U.S. has not gone further than its announcement of support. In hopes of garnering more support for the proposed waiver, India, South Africa, and 62 WTO member states, mainly lower-income countries, submitted a revised proposal on May 21, 2021.17 specifically. The scope of the waiver encompasses health products and technologies including diagnostics, therapeutics, vaccines, medical devices, personal protective equipment, their materials or components, and their methods and means of manufacture for the prevention, treatment or containment of COVID-19. Also, paragraph 2 of the revised proposal provides that the waiver would be in effect for three years and, based on paragraph 5, would be reviewed on an ongoing basis by the WTO General Counsel. The original proposal did not specify the duration of the proposed waiver. The three-year duration is justified in the communication, noting the uncertainty as to the trajectory of the pandemic, unknowns with respect to health products, and the time required for making manufacturing feasible and viable. The rate of large-scale morbidity, illness, and mortality, deaths, caused by the pandemic and its disproportionate impact on low- and middle-income countries, LMIX, requires an aggressive response hence the need to increase the supply of vaccine production to ensure their universalization this would go a long way for developing countries. It is, therefore, 
necessary to expand the production capacity of pharmaceutical active ingredients and high-quality vaccines. The pace of production of only a few vaccine options and only in a few productive plants, together with the concentration of purchases by a small group of developed countries, will have profound social and human consequences due to the massive inequality in access. Thus, the flexibilization of the intellectual property of technologies needed to produce COVID-19 vaccines is crucial. In this sense, the success of the proposal presented by South Africa and India will demand the support of a wide range of countries that are part of the TRIPS Council and political actors outside the institution, such as other international organizations and other critical international actors. Conclusion As the world continues to grapple with one of the world's most recent and dynamic public health challenge, the search for effective treatment and vaccine for COVID-19 highlight the tensions between intellectual property rights and public health interests. The TRIPS waiver and the existing provisions of compulsory licenses are not mutually exclusive. Countries have the right to determine the grounds to issue a compulsory license, and in non-emergency contexts, a compulsory license can be a powerful and potentially sufficient tool. But countries should do more to ensure that the IP barriers do not hinder access to COVID-19-related medical tools. The temporary TRIPS waiver proposal for COVID-19 led by India and South Africa offers an opportunity for countries to unite and provide a critical legal option in addressing IP monopolies in a pandemic. As the COVID-19 pandemic continues to rage globally, all governments should stand behind this critical proposal and support its adoption. Having discussed the concept of CL its complexity and lengthy procedure, as well as its limitations in a pandemic, now is the time for countries blocking the proposed TRIPS waiver to support the lifting of restrictions in the TRIPS agreement. Monopolization of vaccines should stop. Page 36. Advert. Stillwater's law firm. People, Integrity, Service. Nigeria, Angola, OAPI. Protecting ideas in Africa. Services. Intellectual property, media, entertainment, technology, sports and litigation. Second floor 2 Awolawa Road, Ikoi, Lagos, Nigeria. Lagos, P.O. Box 56161, Ikoi 101008, Lagos, Nigeria. Telephone, plus 234-0145-471-79, plus 234-0817-200-5864, plus 234-0906-000. 5769. Email, info at or admin at stillwaterslaw.com. Page 38. Conference Advert. Dublin IP and R&D Summit. 22nd 23rd of March 2022. Connecting the worlds of business, IP and R&D. Convention Center Dublin. Spencer Dock, N Wall Key, North Wall, Dublin 1D01T1W6, Ireland. A Cosmonauts event. 212 New Kings Road, Fulham, London SW64NZ Telephone plus 44-0207-590-3033. Explore at cosmonauts.biz. Page 38. Article. Disclaimer. All images relating to this article can only be seen in the print and digital versions of this magazine. Climate Change from a Patent Perspective Part 1. Written by Claire Gibson a senior patent analyst at Patent Seekers, UK. Climate change. The hot topic we know all too much about. 
from extensive media coverage to observations of its effects upon our daily lives through changing weather patterns, there are no denying changes must happen to limit the extent of the catastrophic consequences before the damage done to our environment becomes irreversible. We know the problem. The world is heating up. Just a few consequences to date include the ice caps melting, a change in global climate patterns, resulting in a myriad of natural incidents such as wildfires, periods of excessive heat waves, flooding, torrential downfalls of rain and rising sea levels. Habitats are changing, posing a risk of extinction to certain animal and plant species, and migration patterns are altering. Climate change also poses a potential risk to human mortality via issues such as excessive heat stroke, suffering to islands potentially being engulfed in water. The cause? Unfortunately, human activity. Our persistent usage of fossil fuels, one, to generate energy for commercial, residential and transportation reasons attributes significantly to increased levels of emitted greenhouse gases, namely carbon dioxide, into Earth's atmosphere. The resultant greenhouse effect sees such greenhouse gases used as catalysts to radiate energy towards the Earth, directly heating the surface. Of course, other factors, such as agriculture, forestry and land use, deforestation, and areas such as industry and waste, all contribute towards climate change. But it is abundantly clear that one of the main culprits of increased greenhouse gas emission is notably our energy consumption. So, what can we do as a global community to combat climate change? We know some things we can do as individuals. We can recycle, limit plastic usage, and limit journeys that use vehicles fueled by petrol and or diesel. We can consider switching to electric vehicles, be conscientious about the fuel we use to heat our homes and aim to limit our waste dumped at landfills. There is an extensive list of tools individuals could employ to help in the fight to stop climate change. We are increasingly seeing companies aim to use sustainable materials, from sustainable materials for clothing to recycled plastics to create new products. More and more organizations are pledging to become carbon neutral within a certain period. Companies are increasingly looking at actions to limit their impact on the environment. Global leaders recently met in 2021 at the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, UNFCCC, known to many as COP26 during which they reviewed agreements made in the Paris Agreement at 21 Colombian pesos, which created a goal of limiting global warming to below 2 degrees Celsius, c, preferable to 1.5 degrees Celsius compared to pre-industrial levels, by means of reaching a global peak of greenhouse gas emissions to achieve a climate-neutral world by the mid-century, too. Some ways countries are helping each other include financial aid capacity building for developing countries and technology development and transfer to improve resilience and reduce greenhouse gases emissions. Figure 1. Technology for climate change opens scope for innovation. Interestingly in 2010, the EPO developed a dedicated classification scheme, 3, for climate change mitigation technologies, CCMTs, to help identify patents that directly or indirectly aided the reduction of greenhouse gases via any technical means, 4. Notably, the CPC classification YO2, technologies or applications for mitigation or adaption against climate change, and YO4, information or communication technologies having an impact on other technology areas. These were created to simplify the searching and classification of patents specifically related to climate change. Looking at YO2 and YO4, we can see in the last 10 years, figure 1, despite a small plateau of applications in 2013 and 2014, 
The general trend until 2018 showed a yearly increase of applications within these classifications, although 2020 and 2021 highlight a significant decrease in applications that one can speculate may be impacted slightly due to the pandemic. 5. We will not know the true effects of the global pandemic on patent filings in this area due to the 18-month publication delay for applications. How does this compare to the WIPO statistics? The WIPO found in 2019, PCT applications containing at least one IPC green energy code increased by 1.3% compared with the previous year but highlighted a lag since the peak of PCT green applications in 2016-6. Let's specifically look at patent applications in the YO2 and YO4 classifications within the last 10 years, which specifically mention climate change in the full text of the application. We can see that China is dominating climate change applications. China is followed closely by the United States, with 6,534 and 4,234 applications, respectively. 7. Countries such as the United Kingdom filed 178, Canada 815. It is important to note that this global chart, figure 2, is a broad view of climate change applications globally. The date used was limited to patents within the climate change classes, YO2, YO4 which specifically mention climate change directly in the full text of the patent. The global map might produce a different view if we did not restrict it to such keywords. Considering the IP landscape for climate change, we ask ourselves, what are the trending areas? The EPO identified five current trends for alternative energy and sustainability. 8. Renewable energy. Green battery technology including fields such as longer-lasting batteries and reduced toxicity batteries. Biomass. Fuel cells for transportation and vehicles and. Water efficiency. Clearly, we can see there is activity and innovation for climate change, however, more could be done. So, what is the field of IP doing to innovate and promote climate change within the field? Aside from the creation of climate mitigation-specific classifications by the EPO, IP offices have developed a fast-track system for green patent applications to promote environmentally friendly innovation. The UK Patent Office, in 2009, saw the first fast-track green program introduced. This was closely followed by countries such as Australia, Israel, Japan, the Republic of Korea, and the US within the same year. Canada followed suit in 2011, and Brazil and China launched similar programs in 2012, where, since 2009, Accelerated applications have been requested for over 5,000 patent applications, 9, with the USDA receiving the highest requests, 3,533, followed by the UKIPO, 776. The WIPO has also developed WIPO Green 10, which aims to be a marketplace for sustainable technology. It is essentially an online platform to exchange environmentally friendly technology and as such supports global efforts to address climate change by connecting providers and seekers of such technology via its green database, networks, and acceleration projects. Our company patent seekers have also been playing a role in reducing our carbon footprint. Aside from our IP searching services, which include fields such as climate change technologies and mitigation, provided by specialists within several fields such as physics, mechanics, chemical, biological, and engineering fields, we have also aimed to become an environmentally friendly run business. Our work is electronic, where paper usage is essentially non-existent. Our staff have flexible working options, with home working popular, 
thus contributing to the reduction of carbon emitted via reduced commuting. Recycling schemes are in place in the office to ensure waste reduction. We have reduced non-essential plastics by encouraging staff to use recyclable and or other means for things such as water consumption. Patent seekers strive to play their role in the global fight to limit climate change before it's too late. The world is undoubtedly changing. We all have a role to play, to take responsibility in reducing greenhouses gases before it is too late. IP plays a key role in encouraging innovation, fast-tracking green applications, and creating networks to connect people with green technological organizations to help boost innovation to reduce and mitigate climate change. This article is the first in a series of articles on climate change by patent seekers. In the following publication, we will be looking at patent trends. 1. https colon slash slash ourworldindata.org slash ghg emissions by sector. 2. https colon slash slash unfccc.in slash process and meetings slash the Paris Agreement slash the Paris Agreement. 3. https colon slash slash documents.epo.org slash project slash babylon slash upon it nsf slash 0 slash 6e41 c0 df0 d85 c0 125773b0054 slash dollar files slash finding underscore sustainable underscore technologies underscore in underscore patents underscore 2016 underscore n.pdf. 4. HTTPS colon slash slash www.sciencedirect.com slash science slash article slash p slash so 172219016300618. 5. Chart created using PAT World using AC, YO2, YO4, and PD, greater than 2011. 6. HTTPS colon slash slash www.wepo.int slash pressroom slash n slash articles slash 2020 slash article underscore 0007.html. 7. Chart created using Patworld using FT, Clamar Chang, and AC, YO2, YO4, and PD, greater than 2011. 8. HTTPS colon slash slash www.epo.org slash news events slash in focus slash sustainable technologies slash patent trends dot html. 9. HTTPS colon slash slash www.wepo.int slash wepo underscore magazine slash and slash 2013 slash 03 slash article underscore 0002.html. 10. https colon slash slash www3.wepo.int slash wepogreen slash n slash page 41. Advert. The Global IP Matrix Magazine. IP news direct from industry thought leaders. Analysis reports on innovation, IP trends, legislation, IP strategy, trademark law, patent law, copyright law, brand protection, trade secrets plus much more. Contact us today to share your industry news stories. Email info at gipmatrix.com or call plus 44-0203-813-0457. Available in print, digital and audio format. Page 42. Conference advert. IIPLA. 19th International Intellectual Property Law Association. January 17th to 18th, 2022. Dubai, UAE. Intellectual Property Industry in 2022 and Beyond. Website, events at iipla.org. Page 43.
Segment Introduction Empowering the Future of IP in Africa, Asia and the Middle East Sponsored by Vox, Dubai, UAE and Minyogo and Associates in Cameroon www.orderivox.com www.minyogoglawfirm.com Minyogog and Associates Law Firm Settled in Cameroon for about 15 years, Minyogog and Associates Law Firm is a pluridisciplinary professional team, who have in common the same rigor in their operating way. Thanks to closely selected lawyers, the cabinet stands as dual in the legal and paralegal field in Central Africa. As dedicated representatives alongside the African Intellectual Property Organization, OAPI, the cabinet gathers eminent advisors and specialists in matters of intellectual property endowed with a thorough experience. Ordiri Vox TM Ordiri Vox TM is a sixth-generation law practice specialized in the registration, protection and divestiture of intellectual property rights. The firm has offices in the Middle East, Asia and Africa and acts as a one-stop shop for brand owners to secure trademark, copyright, patent and design rights in over 50 jurisdictions. With years of experience in clearing, filing, prosecution, registration, divestiture, enforcement, franchising and licensing of IP rights, Ordiri Vox TM attorneys provide commerce-centric advice to ensure cost efficiency, minimal objections, speedy registration and enforcement of trademarks, patents, designs and copyright. Ordiri Vox TM manages multiple high-value global and regional trademark and patent portfolios, which symbolizes client trust in the firm. Page 44. Advert. Ordiri Vox. Wishing you health, happiness and prosperity. Seasons greetings and a very happy new year. Ordiri Vox. A client-centric IP practice. Middle East, Asia, Africa. Global, at, ordirivox.com. Page 45. Article. Licensing of Trademarks in the United Arab Emirates. Written by Samad Hassan Manto, Managing Partner at Ordiri Vox, Dubai, United Arab Emirates. Samad started his legal career in 1998 as a law student and was admitted to the bar in 2000. With over two decades of experience in the Middle East, currently, he is the managing partner at Ordiri Vox. He also acts as the global portfolio manager for several Middle Eastern companies. Samad was instrumental in setting up an ISP in North Africa and was part of one of the biggest seizures of counterfeit medicines in the Middle East. He has successfully overseen the prosecution of almost 30,000 trademark and patent applications in almost 180 jurisdictions worldwide. He actively advises numerous blue-chip companies on contentious and non-contentious issues. Those familiar with the United Arab Emirates and especially Dubai are well aware of the importance of brands in the country. With an area of 83,600 km2, approximately 10 million residents and around 16 million, pre-COVID, visitors every year, the country boasts almost all premium brands from Europe, the Americas, Australia, and Asia. Finding such a splendid mix of global brands at one place is a rare sight, anywhere other than the UAE. Historically such brands find their way in the UAE through an agency, distributorship, or franchising model. Lucrative as it is for the brand owners to enter the UAE market, non-compliance with intrinsic legal requirements sometimes results in complex legal issues, which may include payment of compensation and difficulties in agency termination. The UAE has stringent agency laws, which, to some extent, are favorable to the local agent. If registered as an agency, 
distributorships and franchises are also dealt with under the commercial agency's law. On the other hand, there are no laws governing franchises, per se, and if not registered as an agency, such agreements are dealt with under the different civil and commercial laws. Commercial Agencies In accordance with the UAE Commercial Agencies Law, an agent can either be a UAE national, a company wholly owned by a UAE national, a public joint stock company, PJSC, with at least 51% shares owned by a UAE national or a company wholly owned by a PJSC with at least 51% shares of a UAE national. Agency contracts registered with the Ministry of Economy cannot be terminated unless with mutual consent or due to gross violations of the contract by the agent, which should be established through the documentation before the Commercial Agencies Committee or the UAE courts. The same provisions apply to termination at the time of renewal of fixed-term agency contracts. In addition to the latter, the exiting agent may claim compensation for losses sustained due to the termination of agency and may also be able to restrain import of goods by the new agent until the agency is deregistered through an order of the committee or court. The above provisions also apply to a distributorship or franchise, which is registered as an agency with the Ministry of Economy. That said, if the distributorship or franchise agreement is not registered with the ministry, it is not governed under the agency's law. Licensing of trademarks. A better alternate to enter the UAE market is through licensing of trademarks. The law provides that in order to record a trademark license, the trademark should be registered in the United Arab Emirates. The appointment duration cannot exceed the validity period of the trademark registration, however, it can be renewed once the trademark registration is renewed. Similarly, the scope of license should be restricted to the goods or services protected under the trademark registration. Once the license agreement is executed, it should be recorded with the UAE Trademark Office, or else it does not provide any rights to the licensor or licensee against third parties. In the event the license agreement is executed inside the UAE, it is required to be notarized. On the other hand, agreements executed outside the UAE require notarization as well as legalization from the UAE consulate in the country where the agreement is signed. Compared to agency agreements, it is relatively easier to terminate or deny the renewal of a trademark license agreement. To do so, it is essential that the license agreement clearly provides the authority of termination and non-renewal to the licensor. In case such powers are not delegated to the licensor in the agreement, either the licensee's consent shall be required at the time of termination or non-renewal, or the licensor will have to obtain a favorable decision from the Court of Competent Jurisdiction in the UAE. The UAE trademark law states that the licensor cannot impose unnecessary conditions in the license agreement, however, it is permitted to include the following conditions. Limitation of jurisdiction, that is, a license agreement, can either be for the whole of the UAE or restricted to some areas and emirates. It can either be exclusive or non-exclusive. Sublicensing can be restricted. Limitations on the duration of the license can be imposed. Quality control provisions can be included. Provisions to protect the goodwill related to a trademark, not to take any action or inaction that results in brand dilution, can be agreed upon between the parties. In addition to the aforementioned, the use of a trademark by a licensee is considered sufficient use in order to avoid non-use cancellation of a trademark. In essence, trademark licensing is a good option for brand owners to create and maintain their presence in the UAE. Page 47 Advert. Minyogog and Associates Law Firm.
for the protection of your intellect. Patents, trademarks, trade names, drawing, and industrial models. Minyogog and Associates, located on 2nd Avenue, behind building formerly. Fanadab.p, 20501 Yaoundé Cameroon. Telephone, 237 2222 Fax, 237 2223 4063. Email 1, cabinet at minyogog Email 2, cabiolandengo at yahoo.fr, www.minyogoglawfirm.com. Page 48. Conference Advert World Litigation Forum 11th World Litigation Forum, Dubai, 2022 and beyond. A new era for disputes resolution. January 19th to 20th, 2022. Website, www.worldlitigationforum.org. Page 49. Segment. Conference Corner. 2022 Voices of the Associations. This segment is for the IP event organizations and associations that we have media partnerships with worldwide. We are offering them the floor to keep you, our audience, up to date with future events and IP conference trends throughout the year, so you never miss any of these important events and seminars internationally. Feature, AIPPI. Anne-Marie Verjoua. Reporter General Team, AIPPI. The Global IP Matrix magazine is an official conference media partner of AIPPI. For 2022 conference media partnerships, contact info at gipmatrix.com, page 50. Article AIPPI Resolutions 2021. Written by Ms. Anne Marie Verjoua, Reporter General Team, AIPPI. AIPPI is the world's leading non-profit association dedicated to the development and improvement of laws for the protection of intellectual property, with over 8,000 members from 131 countries. Anne-Marie Verjouer is the reporter general of AIPPI. She is an IP litigator from now to Dutel in the Netherlands. Am.Verjouer at AIPPI.org The AIPPI World Congress is more than just a meeting of IP professionals. Founded in 1897, AP has adopted many resolutions, the fruit of the substantive legal work and harmonization program that is the hallmark of the association. The annual commitment to follow a strict study question process which eventually results in EXCO-approved resolutions makes the association unique. AIPPI resolutions have impacted intellectual property law throughout the globe. Their strength lies in utilizing the expertise of thousands of IP professionals from very diverse geographical and cultural backgrounds as well as different legal traditions to advance the cause of IP rights. Behind every adopted resolution is a complex process and a lot of work. The work done prior to and at the World Congress relies on a considerable effort put in by members worldwide to describe their country's position on the topic under review and propose harmonization avenues. For all resolutions, reports are received from AIPPI's national and regional groups and independent members, providing detailed information and analysis regarding national and regional laws relating to the resolution in question. These reports are then reviewed by the reporter general team of AIPPI and distilled into a summary report. At the AIPPI World Congress, the subject matter of the resolutions is further discussed within a dedicated study committee and again in a full plenary session following which the resolutions are adopted by the Executive Committee of AIPPI. In 2020-2021, the four questions studied were 
patents. Inventiveness and sufficiency of disclosure in AI inventions. Focus, issues of inventiveness and sufficiency of disclosure of inventions involving artificial intelligence, AI. This resolution, among others, concerns, the definitions of the person skilled in the art and common general knowledge when assessing inventive step or non-obviousness of AI inventions, having regard to the increasing use of AI in the invention process, and the standard of sufficiency of disclosure concerning AI inventions. Trademarks. Registrability of trademarks against public order or morality. Focus, the registrability of trademarks contrary to public order or morality, and this resolution explores the implementation and application of these grounds for refusal and invalidity. Designs. Industrial designs and the role of prior art. Focus, the role of prior art with respect to industrial designs when assessing requirements for protection of a design and, in the context of infringement, determining the scope of protection of a design right. General. Reasonable awareness in compensation for infringement of IP rights. Focus, the role of awareness, i.e., knowledge, in assessing compensation for infringement of IP rights, whether registered, such as patents, registered designs, and registered trademarks, or unregistered, such as unregistered trademarks, unregistered designs, unregistered copyright, and trade secrets. All four resolutions were debated and voted upon before being finally adopted by the AP Executive Committee at the end of the 2021 AIPPI World Congress Online. Post-Congress, the resolutions are communicated to, for example, NGOs, IP offices, relevant ministries, and other governmental bodies. AP's global commitment to harmonization of intellectual property laws is reflected in the fact that every resolution is translated from English into the association's working languages of French, German, and Spanish. Translations of all AIPPI resolutions, as well as thousands of other IP-related documents, can be accessed for free in the online AIPPI library. Looking ahead, the 2021-2022 study questions are Patents Patentability of diagnostic methods. Trademarks. Trademarks and the internet and social media. Copyright. Moral rights. General. Protection of trade secrets during litigation and other proceedings. These study questions will form the basis for the resolutions to be adopted at the 2022 AIPPI World Congress. Page 51. Inside back cover advertisement. Krishna and Surastri Associates LLP. Krishna and Surastri Associates LLP is a full-service intellectual property and technology law firm focused on rendering business-friendly legal advice. The firm was formed in 1992 and merged with a law practice set up in 1956. Ever since, the firm has been navigating complex intellectual property and techno-legal issues for its diverse client base. To keep pace with the growth of its business and be ever-present for its clients, the firm has about 170 people spread across offices in the major economic centers of Mumbai, New Delhi, Bengaluru, Pune, Ahmedabad, and Chennai. The firm represents clients from all major industries and sectors. The firm's team includes specialists with niche expertise and industry experience, which is leveraged to provide clients maximum value from legal counseling. Additionally, most of the firm's professionals have formative degrees in natural sciences, engineering, arts or business, prior to qualifying as lawyers, which is useful while navigating complex intellectual property and techno-legal issues. Over the years, 
The firm has been ranked among the top-tier Indian intellectual property and technology law firms consistently by leading domestic and international publications. Patents, trademarks and geographical indications, designs, copyrights, mergers and acquisitions, technology transfer, licensing, franchising, joint ventures, litigations and arbitration, plant varieties, biodiversity, competition laws, international trade laws, regulatory issues, food, drug and medical device laws, media advertising, broadcasting, and information technology laws, anti-counterfeiting, customs and border enforcement. Page 52. Outside back cover advertisement. Patent seekers, the global patent searchers. Specialist global search services for patent attorneys, universities, technology companies, and SMEs. Services. Patentability slash novelty search. Infringement slash FTO slash clearance. Invalidity slash patent busting. State of the art. Patent mapping slash landscapes. Patent monitoring. Patent status. Competitor analysis. Telephone number, plus double four, oh one, six three. 3816601. Email, mail at patentseekers.com. Website, www.patentseekers.com.